Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, Glenn, if you know, you know, okay? I guess I don't know. You know how I don't know? How do I know that you don't know? Because I don't know. Fair. Hello, world, and welcome to Development Heaven. I am your host, Vincent Marnelli, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Glenn Cagle. What's up? <laughs> hey, Glenn, how you doing? Hey, Vince, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. Listen, man, this is an important milestone for us. Episode three. How so? You know what that means? This is the episode where people start to, you know, lose faith in the series. They, they stop watching. You know, sequel is one thing, but a threequel, I don't know. It's absolutely true. But more important than that, <laughs> we're bingeable now. Oh, we're bingeable now. That's right. Now, that's right. Dude. This one is Baby. arguably the most important episode we've ever recorded. And like all third parts, completely devoid of art, all artistic merit. Uh, no artistic that, merit. We just trying to just trying to milk this cow as far as she'll go. Absolutely. No, you know what? This podcast is art. I I, I refuse to accept that we're just some cash cow, like everybody calls us. Yeah. <laughs> it's twenty twenty, yeah. Glenn. Podcast is art now. You know that, right? Podcast is art now. Everybody's listening. I've been to... trying to convince people that video games are art. <laughs> yeah, and nobody they're... believes me. <laughs> <laughs> well. I think you have a point. I'm, I'm, I believe you, Glenn. All right, that's an argument for another day. Uh, I've been thinking about art a lot, actually. Do you want to hear about this? I, um, yeah, let's hear it. Well, I was thinking about like museums and all that. You know how how these artists become so prolific that they get their art displayed and sold for millions of dollars. And I was just, I, I was thinking about how that could happen because there's a part of me that wishes I could be notable enough to sell. You know pieces of art for millions of dollars and i know i know for a fact that it's there's a million reasons and a lot of it has to do with taxes and the rich Um, and all that but one thing that i know that i've heard about like the art market is Mm -hmm. that like the main one of the biggest contributing factors to how well art sells is i think they call it provenance or something like that which is is whose collection has it been in before huh it has nothing to do with the art itself. I mean, a lot of times it is the artist, right. the artist's name. Yeah. But then uh, for, you know, for some pieces, it's just provenance. Like this was in, you know, the Louvre from like 1893 to 1899 or whatever. I don't know. If you could make like an art, you know, what do you think you would do? Like an art piece? Yeah, like an art piece. I mean, I like to think that uh, we make art every every week here on... Um, Development heaven, Vincent. Yeah, that's lame. So I've been thinking about this, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. I thought, you know, it'd be good a a a piece of art that you know is it's the artist's last piece that they ever made. You know, so it obviously skyrockets in value in that regard. So I was thinking, it's like a medium sized canvas, and it's just a single white uh, base coat of paint, and just sort of a just a big tongue lick down the middle of it. Okay. And you know, you know, you're going through the museum. It's like, Oh yeah, this is the last piece. This, uh, this artist ever <laughs> did before he died of lead poisoning. Yeah. From licking his lead, paint. from licking his lead paint. I think that'd be powerful. That would be pretty powerful. It's like a message on consumerism. Wow. Neat. <laughs> um, talking about like art, like uh, and or like you know people's names just making things more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch a YouTuber named uh, Matt Parker, and he does like you know math 
related content. Yeah, that's right. But when thing. he, uh, uh, in a lot of his videos, he has like props that he uses, such as like playing cards, or sometimes it's literally just trash, like tin cans. Um, he used an empty wine bottle not too long ago. Um, and he and he always sells them on eBay, like the props. He signs and sells them. I'm like, this is this is trash. Why are you selling it? Like that I could not like in good conscience. Garbage, yeah. I could not in good conscience take money from people for my trash, mm-hmm. just after having done the work of you know writing my name in Sharpie on it. And then I found out that it's all like a charity thing. And that's why it gets bid up so high. Yeah, that's good. So like, like that's pretty cool to be able to realize that, you know, you have enough of a following that you can sell your trash for, for charity. I have certainly seen like YouTubers or not necessarily like celebrities because it's obvious with celebrities, but kind of mid range. uh, I known people. Yeah. Mid range known people where they kind of have a narrative around them and so people will just buy anything related to that you know they'll have something in a video and then anybody would want it for whatever reason i hope we get to that stage one day that'd be pretty cool that'd be pretty cool and you know who can help with that who's that you guys (laughs) (laughs) smooth yeah all right um Hey, so, so that's week, cool and all. So this week we're talking about music, right? We're talking about music. Just pull the Why are we talking about music, fast. Vince? Well, I thought it would be a good thing to discuss just between the two of us, considering our backgrounds in the, I don't want to say music industry, because hmm. it isn't that, but we are both uh, musicians. We grew up playing instruments, right? And so we have... We're both band nerds. Yeah, we both have a lot of experience in that. Uh, you still play instruments you do um our intro and outro music that's true i do uh, I, I do a lot more composing than playing now which is probably not a good thing because you can tell when a when a piece is written by somebody who doesn't doesn't uh play the instruments that they wrote it for yeah i mean that's where the money is right and also that i feel like the composer creates the most emotional response out of any piece of music that yeah that's that's true um i i've definitely you know there's an argument for like how an artist or um uh, a performer can like change the mood of the piece but uh that's uh, that's another argument for another day (laughs) all right so So the argument for this day of course is which one of us is going to go first right right and i thought since we were talking about music i would use a um uh, a lot of people probably heard of this website called random.org um, if you haven't, it's random.org. Type it into your browser. Um, and I got it. Yep. right on the page, they talk about true randomness. And uh, it's really interesting because a lot of, you know, for a lot of people, I mean, especially in today, we uh, the word random just uh, is kind of synonymous with unexpected. Sure, or internet culture. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, and I feel like a lot of, I feel like most people know that that's not the true definition of random. But if I were to ask you what's the definition of random, it would be hard to quantify that. Um, and one way to quantify randomness is where you have, say, a function, you have some sort of operation where you can put in an input, get out an output, but putting in an approximate input does not give you that approximate output. If I put in, you know, so for instance, a non-random function would mm-hmm. just be multiplying by two. I put in two, I get out four. Guess what? Yep. If I put in three, I get out something that's two higher and it's like directly correlated. A Makes random, sense. yeah, yeah. A random function would be one in which I can put in 
some initial condition uh, and get out uh, an output. And then I could put in some uh, some very slightly different initial condition and get uh, something totally different, uh, completely unrelated to what I got to the previous one. Uh, that's one definition of random. And um, they kind of harness this on random.org. The reason, um, m- well, mo- most computers use something f- sort of similar. They use a, a big old equation uh, mm-hmm. for this, just a mathematical equation. Um, yes, I know. So this. that I took statistics. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's <laughs> called a suit. That's called pseudo randomness. Yeah. Um, but on random.org, they actually uh, gather data from like atmospheric noise, which is why I thought of it when I thought of music. Whoa. Um, that's heavy, dude. They don't go into detail about how that works, but I'm sure mm-hmm. you could read up on it. Probably aliens. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, their randomness comes from uh, atmospheric noise, uh, which for many purposes is better than the pseudo-random number algorithms typically used in computer programs. That's straight off their website. All right, man. Works for me. Give me something random. All right. Are you on uh, random.org right now? Yes. Okay, I'm going to generate a number, and then you generate a number, and whoever gets the higher number is going to go first. All right? Okay. It's 1 to 100. On the on the right, there should be a box for it. Mm. All right, uh, so I'll go first. 71, baby. It's going to be hard to beat. That is statistically hard to beat. 10. Oh, well. Failure. <laughs> well, you got right, me cool. beat. All right, cool. I guess I'm going first then. Better man wins. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Better atmospheric noise wins. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Oh, here's my notes. Okay. So we're talking about music and uh, oddly enough, this was um, kind of difficult for me. I did a lot of research on some... Odd. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I did a lot of research on some uh, interesting stories I knew existed, but a lot of times it turned into just... Um, it just you know a, a one sentence uh thing to talk about not really a, a conversationable topic right um but i finally settled on a few things that i kind of strung together into a coherent uh presentation All so right, it's if, a sort if, of a collage yeah if, if we wander a little bit if we end up in a different place from where we started then you know it's it's the journey that counts yeah. right and you've been forewarned yeah so you know <laughs> if if you, that doesn't sound appealing to you skip to uh 30 minutes into the video tight <laughs> All right. Um, one interesting thing that I uh, had known before this um, that I thought would be, you know, interesting to other people is that uh, the the famous bass line of Seven Nation Army by uh, the White Stripes. Sure, your favorite. My favorite. Um, the the beloved uh, tune. Was uh, that bass line is uh, not a bass line at all. In fact, it was u- made using a harmonizer, which is really? a, um, yeah, yeah, which is a pedal effect. Um, in fact, the White Stripes is two people, uh, Jack White and his sister Meg White. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had no bassist. It was uh, Jack on his guitar and Meg on her drums. And uh, they, you know, he just ran his guitar through a harmonizer, turned uh, down one octave. So. You know, lower by one octave. Sure, yeah. And um, and then you know, turn down the original sound, what we call the dry sound, so that only the only the the process sound was coming out, and uh, and then just played the iconic um, riff that you know eventually became the whole song. Yeah, damn, they could have fooled me. Right. Uh, so he yeah, and now and now it's like you know, 
iconic as a bass riff, which yeah. it, it is not at all. Uh, he uh, composed that in a hotel, um, which, you know, isn't that surprising, but um, I, apparently there's, uh, you know, he was playing it, Meg heard it, uh, and, you know, said, hey, you know, oh, I don't remember his name, but the, she called over the producer <laughs> and said, you know, hey, mister, come, uh, come take a look at this. And the producer comes over and says, eh, you could do better. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, so, but Jack saved the, uh, the riff in case he was ever asked to do a James Bond theme. He thought that would fit really well for that. I haven't seen enough James Bond movies to say whether or not that's true. I don't um, think neither have so. I. I don't know. Uh, he he just eventually he said he decided that was unlikely, so he turned the song. He, he <laughs> statistically decided he sure. Hmm? Statistically sure, it would be unlikely. Statistically, yeah. Uh, he decided that it would be a better as a song directly for the White Stripes. You know, his band that's made up of him and his sister. Mm-hmm. So he uh, and he also had this idea to sort of experiment with um, a song with no chorus or no lyrical chorus, as a musical refrain. In, in that it it play it goes back to playing that riff, you right. know, it, in a regular pattern, but it doesn't. Um, but he doesn't sing during that portion. Um, and I think that's part of what made that melody so uh, 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 made it stick in so many people's minds. Right, the unique structure of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he composes the song, and lo and behold, he is asked to do a James Bond theme after that. No, he wasn't. Was he really? He, yes, one hundred percent. Oh. Um, him and well, Alicia Keys like made, made a song called uh, Another Way to Die or something like that. <laughs> Did way worse than uh, Seven Nation Army. Mm, sick. You know, by any metric. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm sure that's not Alicia's fault. Yeah, it's probably his. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one other uh, thing. This will be interesting to you, Vincent, because okay. uh, Jack is actually suspicious of a computer uprising. The sleeve for uh, the sure, the, yeah, as any sensible person would be, yeah, yeah. The sleeve for the uh, album "Elephant" that uh, Seven Nation Army appears on mm-hmm. uh, proudly states, "No computers were harmed, or sorry, no computers were used during the writing, recording, mixing, or mastering of this record," which is kind of a bold statement to make because the harmonizer and all of the other effects in his I guitar. I was gonna say, yeah, that sounds like computers. Processing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I'm said not it. a computer man, but that sounds like computers, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, man, but there's no FDA regula- regulation on uh, albums, so. <laughs> Call yeah, speaking of will. bass lines, actually, this one is a fun little fact that I know off the top of my dome. Uh, the Stevie Wonder song, Isn't She Lovely, has a really complex bass line that I think, I'm not a bassist, but from what I've, t- what I can tell from bassist subculture is that it's somewhat of a homecoming being able to it's somewhat of a rite of passage being able to play the the bass line from isn't she lovely which was done just on cv wonders uh piano it's just a piano bass line that's pretty cool i guess we're just talking about bass lines today mm. uh because in the song uh another example another interesting example of a harmonizer being used on a uh to make a baseline more interesting, was in the song Destruction by Joywave. Will the soundtrack kindly produce a sound? Go on, don't be nervous. Go ahead, any sound. <laughs> well, that isn't quite what I had in mind. Uh, when 
Oh, hey, I think their guitarist of Joywave, his last name is like Morinelli. So huh. there you go. Well, probably my cousin, I bet. Pr- probably, like basically your cousin. Yeah. I couldn't find this anywhere on the internet, but mm-hmm. I had definitely heard this and it makes sense, uh, you know, just from okay. my experience messing around with these sort of effects. Right. They, they set the, the harmonizer to the wrong key or to the, to the key they weren't playing in. Uh, which causes the the bass line to sound really uncomfortable and really mm-hmm. distorted. Right, okay. Uh, and I think you can hear that in the song um, pretty clearly. Um, also, the uh, the intro, uh, when when the guy asks, um, will a soundtrack kindly produce a sound? That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's actually from uh, Disney's Fantasia. Oh. Yeah, pretty cool, I was right? going to ask about it. It sounded like a, like a TED Talk kind of thing. Like a lot oh, of songs yeah, that yeah. have a TED Talk sample in the beginning. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, mine. <laughs> is that to which? Is that the one to which you're referring? I mean, you're not the only one that's used it. I know TED that. Talk I thought. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I thought you were trying to call me out, bitch, Bruh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um. Between, you know, the guy from Disney's Fantasia, who apparently sounds like a TED Talk, and an off-key harmonizer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that song's uh, pretty unique. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. Um, so, yeah, there's some interesting things about um, music that I thought I could talk about, but um, obviously that wasn't enough to fill my whole segment. Right. Uh, so uh, our name, Development Heaven, in, in case you don't know, refers to um, Development Hell, which is where music, or really any, any piece of art, uh, usually films, games, uh, TV shows, they get put on any hold. Any project, be- yeah. Any, yeah, any project gets put on hold because uh, people have differing ideas or, um, you know, it changes hands, uh, changes Money's ownership. Tight. Yeah. Sure, any, any number of reasons. Um, and we see this, you know, we get we hear a lot about it in uh, films and stuff because they have a scheduled release date that a lot of people know about. Uh, it also happens in music, and that's what I wanted to talk about uh, for the rest of my time. Uh, you probably, a lot of people on probably, um, on this earth, yeah, I'm, I'm going to die after this podcast. Hmm. Um, so, you know, So listen don't carefully. stop listening. <laughs> Please. You will die. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> So one example of a uh, album that was delayed uh, twice and then the third time in de- delayed indefinitely was uh, Jesus is King by none other than uh, Kanye West. The man himself, sure. The man himself, the one, the only. Uh, <laughs> the, I'll, I'll hit you with a, a couple fun facts, as I usually do, I uh, before, I, I, before I run into this. Uh, West um, apparently stopped using uh, his bipolar disorder medication uh, around the time that he started writing this album, apparently to help with the with the writing of the album, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. I, I have heard about people, uh, you know, doing things um, that they, you know, you know, try, trying to get in the right mindset for writing an album. Like, yeah, uh, I know. For instance, people like without their meds, feeling like they're more creative without their meds. Yeah, oh, it's sort of a self-destructive, disorder. yeah, tendency. You think so? In a way, yeah. I've definitely heard from people who have taken bipolar disorder, drugs for bipolar disorder have uh, said that it, they feel crushed while they're taking them. They feel like they're, you know, locked, you know, inside themselves, inside Interesting. their own head. I, yeah. I, I can't really speak to um, bipolar. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not incredibly knowledgeable about it. 
Neither am I. I'm just that's li- I have an anecdote from like two people. Okay, tell me. I did. They they don't. <laughs> they say okay. it doesn't feel good to be on the drugs. Then I continue. Um, but yeah. Uh, also, you know, he he went back to his ranch in where is it like Wyoming. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, and a lot of people do that for you know if they want to make an album that's sort of set apart from their other albums or they want to you know redefine themselves. A lot of artists will go uh, somewhere. To, a change of scenery. Um, yeah, yeah, to try and get something something new. So right. yeah, he went back to his uh went back to his ranch in Wyoming and um stopped taking his meds and uh started writing some music. And um most people most listeners probably know that this is the uh uh the first of you know, maybe maybe many, I don't know. The first the first gospel album that he's written. Uh, sure. Yeah. So it was, you know, well different from his other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but it missed, uh, it missed its first deadline. Uh, a lot of people weren't surprised about that. You know, he has a, you know, history. It missed its second deadline. Uh, again, you know, people weren't too surprised, you know, that some people are getting frustrated at this point. And, you know, then, uh, at that point it becomes, uh, eventually they, they delay it indefinitely. So, right. you know, uh, and that was taken very hostily by Kanye West fans. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, uh, some Reddit posts, you know, everything from saying, you know, he shouldn't be allowed to announce uh, any more albums until he his mouse cursor <laughs> is literally over the button, uh, mm-hmm. you know, which is, you know, in, in all uh, all in good jest, all in good fun, uh, down to people just, you know, right outright, you know, saying that he lied to them, uh, calling him a pussy, uh, you know, being, you know, sarcasm, like, uh, yeah. who could have seen that coming? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, certain websites, um, and in particular, I have a quote here from Hollywood life. They said, fans are righteously furious. Good choice of words. Yeah. Um, and, uh, following that, I have a quote from, uh, Kanye on Twitter saying, mm-hmm. we are, uh, we're not going to sleep until this album is out. And that's kind of what I want to talk about is that's, uh, that's an example of what we in the game design industry call crunch culture, Ooh, but crunch I, culture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that appears in other industries as well. And I just wanted to highlight that in music today. Um, uh, the, the album Jesus is King actually um, only received mediocre reviews. Very mixed. Uh, okay, 53%. I was going to ask about this because I don't know all too many Kanye West fans. But yeah, it seems like it's kind of iffy on this one. Mm-hmm. Actually, the fans that I know in person genuinely enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... You know, on the whole, it seemed to have gotten mixed reviews. It got fifty three percent on Metacritic and only a four point nine out of ten on any decent music. Hmm, so, okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so some could attribute this to uh, his, um, you know, so many changes happening at the time mm. of this recording. Right. You know, he's uh, you know, total change of change of uh, pace for Kanye to write a gospel album as opposed to uh, you know his usual hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, a lot of the uh, a lot of critics said that it didn't stray from his. Uh, background very much at all so you know people will say what they will um that that they do yeah but what i wanted to, <laughs> what i'm getting at is that it uh uh this sort of like race to hit the delay i mean he 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 delayed it indefinitely and it still didn't get um it still wasn't you know revered as being like a, uh one of his best albums yeah so magnum uh, opus Right, right. So, you know, that's the thing about crunch is that it's 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 a hard uh it's a hard line to walk because 
on the one hand, uh, well, I think I think we can all agree that it's completely unhealthy. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, to you know, and in, in, in the game design industry, people uh, tend to work as much as. Um, uh, well, okay, I'll, I'll I'll give you some statistics. About a third of people will work up to sixty hour weeks. Uh, and about about a seventh, one in seven game design workers will work uh, seventy plus hours a week in during a crunch period. I mean, uh, it's borderline dangerous, right? Right, 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 right. Um, it's really not good for the people, and it's really not good for the work mm. um, because a lot of times the work doesn't turn out as well as uh, it would have otherwise. Right, because they're not uh, in tip top shape. Right, right, and and it wouldn't be such an issue uh, if. It wasn't voluntary. That's the thing: is that it's a it's a cultural thing in uh, in the game design, especially, but I think also um, other art forms because uh, this is something that people want to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you don't really have a defense. The you know your defense is taken away when people when, when people realize that you're doing the work that you've always wanted to do. Uh, you know the old saying: you know it's not work if you're if you like it. Mm-hmm. Work um, a job you it, like, you never work a day in your life. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, you have no idea how many times my uh, no one else has told me this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, well, I'm here to tell you, I, that's, that's totally fake. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. uh, even if it's your dream job, you still need to take a break every now and then. Um, and, and, and that's what I'm getting at is that the, uh, um, when you're making, when you're doing what you love, uh, and you're, and that defense of, you know, of, uh, it, it's taken away. Um, it's not even conscious. I mean, you're, you're working on it because you want to see it, see it succeed on time. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody's asking you to do it. It's just the culture. It's just, it's kind of what's expected. It's also what you want. Yeah. It's uh, your baby. Yeah. So the, uh, the real burnout comes from the fact that people are unwilling to relinquish on this, uh, sort of crunch, uh, crunch culture. Um, and so like uh, you're saying, if people just got together and agreed, they wouldn't do this, it wouldn't happen. Yeah, uh, some companies actually employ po- policies that require you to uh, not work more than a certain amount. Okay, sure. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, another pretty dangerous thing about it is that uh, a lot of a lot of companies don't uh, give overtime pay for this sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, the overtime is supposed to yeah. come in the form of, wow, you're working so hard on this, the game is going to be really good, you're going to get a <laughs> bonus because the game is so much better than it would have been otherwise. <sighs> Which we've yeah. already discussed is not the case. Sure. Uh, yeah, and so uh, this is this goes so far as uh, for uh, Ferdows Khalid, uh, the program coordinator at SAE Liverpool, described country culture as slavery. Uh, you know, working extra hours without pay. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's pretty dramatic. But you know, he, he made his point. Um, let's see. Yeah, uh, one other thing about um, crunch culture is that. Um, well, I can tell you my, uh, right myself, like, uh, just the other day I was working on a problem for a game. Um, it was just, you know, how to calculate certain statistics. Um, and I spent, I, I would say I spent a whole day on it. I mean, I pretty much woke up with that on my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I ate my meals with that on my mind and anytime I wasn't sleeping or eating, I was at my computer, you know, typing away at code. And I got to tell you, I don't think I solved any more than I would have had I not done that. You but, know, I, I think that's interesting. A big problem with the, the crunch culture dilemma is that it really just like weighs on a person where they can't stop thinking about it. And mm-hmm. potentially, you know, you get in your head thinking that, you know, as soon as I get it done, 
I won't feel this way, right? So right. that is part of the incentive. Totally, totally. Um, and and that, my other point is that you don't see it coming. I mean, that mm. goes into what you were saying. Is like, um, you think that it's, you're making it better, but you're actually making it worse. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I guess I guess the one thing to remember is that uh, you know you may be you may be saying you know hey this is life like I don't care if I if I'm if it's detrimental to my health if this is my baby I'm making it you know why why should I care but mm-hmm. the problem is it's not always about you at some point you have to realize that uh, you know going to work for seventy hours a day is not just hurting you but hurting um, you know loved ones especially if you're providing for anybody sure obviously um, yeah yeah so. I don't know. Um, one thing I can definitely say for sure is that art, especially a game, but I can, uh, well, that's just what I had the most experience with, but I'm <laughs> sure that uh, people who work in other industries will, will be able to say the same thing. Um, it's never really finished, you know? Yeah. You yeah. never write the last line of code. Sure. The last line of code is the last one you write before your deadline hits. But uh, you could keep working on that thing for the rest of your life if nobody stopped you. It kind of sucks, but that is a healthy way of looking at a lot of projects mm-hmm. so you don't get all caught up in it yeah yeah i actually you know when in my serious projects i set down deadlines like uh you know i want to have this this implemented and and finished polished by this date and you know yeah i wish i was better at that quite frankly i learned it the hard way yeah. <laughs> i have uh i have way more failed projects than succeeded projects mostly because uh you get burnt out and then you never want to get back into it mm-hmm Anyway, uh, I, w- I didn't come here to complain about my stories because obviously mine's not yeah, that. Yeah, big baby. Yeah, yeah mine, mine's <laughs> not that much of a, um issue compared to some of these other things. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure Kanye didn't suffer all too much from one album that didn't do as well as his others. But uh, it's still interesting to think that um, even for, like, you know, people at the top of their game. I mean, this album top charts. And all as all of his oh, albums yeah, do, for sure. Mm-hmm. All of his albums do this, but even for people at the top of their game, at the at the top of their industry, that uh, crunch culture can still happen. That uh, you know, that feeling that you just got to get it done. Anyway, that's what I got. Okay, cool. It was uh, adept of you. And now that's not the right word. Yeah, good job. I I actually think that was a really interesting topic to cover. I think it's oh, thank you. Absolutely I, important. All right, so I'll go ahead and get started. Uh, Glenn, before that, real fast, what's your favorite color? Uh, blue. Sick. Like uh, your favorite color is green, right? We learned that in the last episode. Correct. Nice. Yeah, just a little bit of a you know, get to know us a little bit. Anyway. Yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. All right. So this week, I thought just keeping in tradition, right? First week was Mario. Second was Mario 2. And of course, this week will be Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Nice. Because Sega does what Nintendo don't. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've never heard that, but I like it. Man, Sega, Sega is crazy. Sega also, in the 90s uh, did a lot of whack-ass advertising to try to prove that they were better than the red plumber mario i can imagine uh, yeah including their classic catchphrase sega do what nintendo and what was it bragging about blast processors you're a game designer do you know what blast processors means nope me neither (laughs) (laughs) 
So Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which I just want to point out is my favorite name and convention that I wish was upheld more often in uh-huh. media. Just adding a character's name at the end of it. Yeah, totally. What was this? Is this uh, Development Heaven 3 and... Uh... Whatever this podcast uh, episode is called, it should absolutely have and Knuckles at the end of it. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll totally. consider it a personal shortcoming if it doesn't. So anyway, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, and more specifically how the music was composed by Michael Jackson. Is it really? Probably. Probably. Elaborate. I will, I promise. So... Uh, before that, though, to keep you on the edge of your seat, I oh, do gosh. want to talk really quickly about the um, actual development of Sonic as a character, just because I don't think I'll ever come back to him. I'm not super into Sonic, personally. Uh, you know me, Nintendo for life. I have that tattooed on my ass. I, I did know that about you, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Okay. I, I've never played Sonic either, but uh, I don't have anything against it. Mm-hmm. I think the problem for us is that we grew up in the in the generation of Sonic has is bad and has always yeah. been bad, you know? So we don't yeah. have that experience. But the thing is, and this I, I hope to touch on a little bit, is that like Sonic and, and Sega specifically was huge for the development of modern video games because if it wasn't for them nintendo would just be everything and so the fact that sega Mm -hmm. introduced this actual competition allowed for i mean even though they aren't really a huge proponent anymore they are the reason that sony was able to do so well and then you know microsoft and so forth anyway the original tech demo for sonic which i've noticed a lot about old games it seems like it was just a tech demo that they slapped whatever onto it whatever ip they felt like is that how games are made um to an extent mm. um i know at the time uh video games were just considered software right and so it wasn't uncommon to treat the development of the video game the say you same way you would treat the development of like your finance program um for instance they would that come with a, to me. Yeah. They, they would come with a user's manual mm-hmm. like a written book that like comes in the case uh, that you would have to read if you wanted to understand like how to play the game rather than having rather than what is the modern uh, understanding of games like today today we say the game should teach the player how to play mm-hmm. but back then that's it good was game design that's good game design when games were first coming around it was the game is like uh, a game of chess or a sport the player is against the game you know mm. they're 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 going toe to toe and so the player's job is to beat the game the game's job is to make that as hard as possible um maybe not as hard as possible to make that you know challenging and the explanation for how to play the game was in the manual that you would have to read separately yeah it's a shame uh, that art of the manual has fallen by the wayside that was always fun to look through mm-hmm. then again i owned a lot of secondhand games so i guess i didn't have a ton of those anyway they're fine yeah. uh the original tech demo was created by a guy named yuji naka a programmer for Sega, who developed an algorithm based on dot matrices or whatever that allowed uh, a sprite to move smoothly on a curved surface. So with this, he created a software that was a ball rolling around in like tubes and stuff. Uh, Sega really liked it. And so in their desperate attempt to defeat uh, Mario, they were like, this is our shot. We just need a mascot. 
so they, and they made a blue hedgehog <laughs> they made a blue hedgehog this is this i learned this today this is my favorite thing about this is easily the the best piece of sonic fact i've ever heard the, so they took a couple well, of designs it, that's a that? bold statement listen to me listen to me glenn they took a couple of designs they had like just a couple of preliminary little ideas that they thought maybe we could build off of these some concept arts and they flew to Central Park in New York City and just questioned mm-hmm. random citizens, oh, random New Yorkers. Hey, uh-huh. which one of these is better? <laughs> which one of these characters you like more? That's so good. <laughs> which, you know, isn't done enough these days, if you ask me. You, <laughs> the people they were asking, I'm sure, were like, not going to play that game ever. No, never. You know, they weren't uh, asking like kids. They're asking uh, maybe they true were. blue maybe Americans. Were. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Hey, speaking of flying, what do you um like to do in your spare time, Glenn? Um I like to uh I like to play the piano. I uh I, you know, I do a lot of video game programming, so mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of also that's kind of like work and and fun. Sure. Uh but that sounds um, like a used technology sort of, so yeah. Yeah. Um, but when I really need a break from all that, I, uh, I go hiking, camping, stuff like that. Gotcha. So they took these designs. Um, so a couple of them, just to name the highlights, there's like uh, there was an armadillo who would later become like the interesting thing is that some of these designs would be reused in the Sonic game. So there was an armadillo who would become an armadillo character in Sonic. There was also like a Teddy Roosevelt looking guy. Oh. Who they would eventually turn into... Was he into... a bull or a moose? I mean, it's a missed opportunity otherwise. <laughs> he was just a man, and they took this design oh. and uh, turned it into Dr. Eggman, the antagonist. <laughs> and so I was thinking about this. I was like, why, what, for what possible purpose would, you know, just some weird mustached uh, uh, guy be Sega's mascot? And then I was like, oh yeah, they're going against Mario. Mario's the weirdest character design yeah, yeah that's true. exactly that they were just aping on mario i guess that's but, pretty funny they're still doing that yeah because you know think about the sonic movie where like the whole thing is he's trying not to go he doesn't want to go to the mushroom planet Mm-hmm. classic that's, yeah so the new yorkers apparently really latched onto uh this blue mouse character who was uh-huh. called like needle the blue needle mouse or whatever and they were like yeah he looks fast we like him we're from okay. New York. Hey, what's your favorite animal? Uh, some kind of bird, like a jay or like a cardinal. Okay, that's similar to bats. Uh, so okay. Uh, what are you doing, dog? Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> I hear you clicking around. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I'm watching you. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm still on the edge of my seat. Can I, like, uh, can I get off of that now? Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, thank you. Yeah, I was about to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I swear I'll get to it. So, uh, first off, though, they had this blue mouse character. They needed a personality. If you recall, it's the 90s, and people are just loving on former then presidential candidate Bill Clinton. Uh huh. And so they decided that uh, this new blue hedgehog should be like Bill Clinton, you know, Philander. playing uh, saxophone in the White House. 
I got you. Okay. You know what people did in the nineties? Everyone's wearing like jeans for shirts and eating fries, Furbies or whatever, whatever didn't, Furbies uh, are used for. I assume it's Clinton... eating. Otherwise, I don't get it. <laughs> Vincent, I'll educate you on the many uses for Furbies later. Okay, tell me. Uh, but um, didn't Bill Clinton say that his like favorite food was fries or something like that? He was like totally trying to get like the young person's vote. That sounds like, like that a was, Bill Clintonism. That was like his whole his whole schema was to, uh, <laughs> you know, play saxophone in the White House and eat fries and be like, hey, you know, eighteen year olds should vote for me. I mean, that's pretty much all it would take for me. Quite frankly, <laughs> if a honestly, told me they liked fries. Sure, dude. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, they chose Bill Clinton. The rest is history. Uh, so I will now talk about Sonic Three and Knuckles. As I promised, it was released in 1994 and it introduced Knuckles the Echidna as a character, which is weird because they must have had a lot of faith in him. Uh huh. I find it quite strange that you make a game with a character in the title who has not been established. That's interesting, yeah. I mean, I don't know. How many sequels add the name of the character? Like, there's Ant Man and the Wasp. But that's well, what I'm get, saying. Wasp is already established as a character, right? Well, it's a different if it is a different person, but but yeah, you're right. They had mentioned it before, so they had never mentioned Knuckles prior to this at all. Not from what I can tell. No, they interesting. Yeah, I mean he's cool or whatever. Oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, you know how he is, just crawling around did, and did did they have voice lines? Did they have voice acting in the first one. No. Okay. I don't. I don't know for a fact. I think the first time Sonic ever had a voice was the cartoon from the '90s with Urkel really? voicing Sonic. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I could have sworn. I mean, maybe it was a different game that I was looking at, but I could have sworn that he had uh, voice acting. Hey. So, just by the way, what's your ideal element? Like, out of, like, uh, Aristotle's four elements? Yeah, you know the elements, like uh, earth and water and air and fire. What do you think your ideal one is? I kind of like I kind of like water. I think water's cool. Sure thing. I'll go ahead. Water yep. is the analogy that people use a lot in, like, um, I don't know, like, uh, like, in a lot of things that I do, like, you know, music and, um, like, fencing, water is a, is a pretty common analogy. Or one that sticks out to me, I guess. I don't really know if it's that common. Vincent, I'm spilling my guts here, and you haven't given me anything. Uh, you got me. All right, I'm introducing a new segment I'm calling uh, BuzzFeed, semicolon, BuzzFreed, where I try to get as many <laughs> uh, BuzzFeed questions out of you as I can before you notice. I, so far, have gotten five out of nine for which Sonic character you are. Okay, okay. You want to finish? finish the quiz yeah absolutely i've always wondered what sonic character i am like this, that's one of my one of my key personality traits that's been missing sick where would you like to live out of what you know like, what are the on options? the beach or in space <laughs> or, uh, in space is an option <laughs> on a floating island oh on a floating island is cool you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go simple i've always kind of wanted to live in the mountains tight What's your favorite time of day? Uh, dusk. I'll call that evening. 
Okay, yeah. Sunset. Used to be morning. I used to be a big morning person. Not so much anymore. All of my classes are late. That's what it was. None of my professors got it before like 10. So That's the opposite of most college experiences, I feel like. Yeah, probably. All right, last question. What saying do you live by? <laughs> and um, is it is it speed is key? <laughs> this is the only one that matters for which character you get. Sure. Uh, what what could I say to get shadow? Um, <laughs> chaos control. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that sounds like sometimes I wish I could fast forward time just to see in the end if it's all worth it. I'm gonna click that for you. You know, that's a that's exactly what I meant when I said chaos control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, you know who you got? Who did I get? Sonic the Hedgehog. Bruh. Y- you lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> what, uh... What's, uh, which which character are you, Vincent? <laughs> I took it early. I got Blaze the Cat. I don't know who that is. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> Sick. Nice. nice. I'm into it. Yeah, me too. So, Michael Jackson, if I can go back to that, if you'd allow me. Oh, thank, thank goodness. <laughs> has somewhat of a history with Sega that I didn't know about. Uh, it he, he did the music for a handful of Sega games, and I, I think maybe nine or so games in total. Some of these are confirmed, some aren't. Best I can tell, I think he was just a fan of the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise, and that's what drew him <laughs> to Sonic 3. That's what it sounds like it is. So, wow, okay. This was more or less a crack sort of fan theory uh, that a lot of people had for a while. It was a real, if you want to put on your uh, aluminum foil hat with me and step into the conspiracy corner, there was no uh, official release saying that Michael Jackson worked on Sonic 3 for a really long time. Mm-hmm. But... Sounds suspicious. A little bit. But, you know, notwithstanding the digitized hee-hees and uh, other similarities to michael jackson music in the uh sonic 3 soundtrack there are a couple of key similarities that a lot of people pointed to there's videos on youtube if you're interested at all but specifically like the sonic 3 credits song is almost identical to the michael jackson song strangers in moscow uh, as huh. well as there's like a song called it's hard like, times it's, it's that sounds like crush, ice cap right? zone yeah i mean it's all bit crush but it is very um distinct you know it sounds like Michael Jackson song. Gotcha. So for a while, there was no official confirmation. And, you know, there still technically isn't, but beyond an actual spoken confirmation from the man himself, which would be a little bit difficult now, uh, is mostly confirmed. Um, Sega refuses to make an actual statement on it, but people who worked for Sega have said things like, there was involvement, but they aren't allowed to discuss it. The the uh, <laughs> yeah right. What <laughs> the official statement by Sega is that if there was involvement by Michael Jackson, it was done without them knowing. Uh, so, what does that mean? I couldn't tell you. So th- th- there are theories as to why um, Michael Jackson, if he is the composer for these songs, is uncredited. The foremost of these theories is that it was uh, his involvement was terminated because of the earliest allegations of sexual abuse, mm. which could be true. I didn't um, look at the timeline for that, mm. but 
other than that, the other idea that's widely circulated is that uh, Michael Jackson was really unsatisfied with the musical capabilities of the Genesis that it was mm, that released on. Um, he, he was really unhappy with his results on the uh, which Sonic character are you BuzzFeed quiz, so he just quit. Yeah, he's a huge Knuckles guy and he didn't get Knuckles. Yeah, he got like uh, Scuttles the Cat or whatever. Yeah, Scuttles the Cat. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean, I've listened to the tracks and I think Sonic music is pretty standout, but I guess, you know, that's coming from two people who grew up with video we've game list- music right yeah, we, yeah. We we know, li- we've listened to chiptune yeah what it's supposed you know. to sound like and i don't think he was yeah like we, we go just... into we we go went. into chiptune like like expecting it to sound like chiptune but he was mm-hmm. probably like bro this doesn't sound like a michael jackson song at all mm-hmm. despite the digitized he he's so to this day there are no official statements as to whether or not he really was the composer but i think the um Similarities speak to themselves. I do have a couple fun facts for you if you'd like to hear them. I, you know me, Vincent. You, you know, you know what my saying is. You know what my saying. Tell me your saying, Vincent. I would like to think that all facts are fun. That's beautiful, Glenn. So please hit me, hit me with these fun facts. All I, right, you know so I love to. So to speak on crunch culture a little bit, that seemed to be actually surprisingly prevalent in the development of the first handful of Sonic games, specifically uh, during the development of Sonic 2, the game, I personally didn't notice this when I played it, but apparently the creators think of it as a sort of thematic mess where they had a lot of ideas and they couldn't deliver on them in time, so they ended up just kind of jumbling things together. And for that reason, apparently, uh, Sonic 2 had a fairly harsh critical response Uh, At the time, that caused a split in Sega, so there were like two different teams working on games. They tried to get them together to make Sonic 3, but due to uh, issues in the timing, they actually split the game into two separate parts. So there is a game released called Sonic 3, and a game released called Sonic and Knuckles, both for the same console. And what they did is they twisted this in in a marketing sense, and it's almost genius. They invented something called Lock-On Technology, which was used just for this game and no other games for the mm-hmm. Genesis, where the cartridge for Sonic & Knuckles has a little opening at the top that you can flip open and stick the cartridge for Sonic 3 in. Oh, you know what? I've heard of this. Yeah, and you insert the whole thing into your system and it mashes the two games together. So they released two unfinished games that you had to pay independently for and then said, if you want the full game, just mash them together and the Sega will do the rest. That's incredible. And it worked. And, and, and it worked for, it. and they had no other games that did that? Nope. That's, That's the inc- only one. Were both of the cartridges playable on their own? Yes. Yeah. They were two Interesting. independent games. Um, I, the, the shortcoming of Sonic 3 is that they wanted Knuckles to be playable and they couldn't. And so they just had a story-based Sonic game. And I think knuckles is the antagonist and then with sonic and knuckles knuckles is a playable character and they can't have the antagonist be a playable character that's just ridiculous that's quite frankly irresponsible of them yeah Uh, nobody would play that and so they each had different stages and so when you mashed them together you got all the stages and uh, knuckles as a playable character 
more games That's should a- allow you to just shove cartridges together and play them. I mean, honestly. It's I crazy mean, they only did it once. It's crazy that we, you know, use mods today. It's it's crazy that we have software that does that today. I mean, why not? Why can't I buy a compact disc and, like, solder it to another compact disc and put that in my disc drive? Bethesda should just release multiple CDs that you could just jam together in your Xbox or whatever. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Quite frankly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> unforgivable if you were to ask me that's a good word (laughs) thank you i'm trying my hardest that is all i have i guess that was just one fun fact so (laughs) i lied a little bit you know um you know vincent i'll let you slide on this one you mean it you know you, you got me i get you got me salivating for more facts for more information but uh you know what stay tuned right I think, I think i've had my i think i've had my fill yeah yeah, yeah I, for, <laughs> for the next two weeks that is sure yeah all right so i think that's the show a uh, couple quick notes i want to thank you glenn for the intro music as i mentioned before the song is bird it's on soundcloud uh we have that linked in the description also linked we have matthew Innie and natalie quick uh matthew did our various logos and natalie did some great work on our cover so thank you to them and thank you to you for listening if you can uh, spread the word, let people know about us, tell anyone you think would be interested, that's, uh, it really does help. So mm-hmm. That's where we're at right now. You know, just word of mouth, get it out there. Spread the word. Spread the message. Tell your teachers about us. Please. <laughs> we need it. Uh, we should be on a regular upload schedule now every, t- uh, every other week, uh, Tuesday a.m., that's what we're shooting for? Yeah. All right. So put us to it. Put us to put it. Us in crunch Call period. us out. Yeah. Call us out. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about how bad crunch is and then ask you to crunch us. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm into. That's my kink. You know, when I first heard the word crunch, I thought it was like a vor thing. Of course you did. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> well, the first time I ever saw it, it was a, uh, it was a picture of um, Animal Crossing and it said no crunch and then i had a picture of red dead redemption and it said crunch and no it wasn't even red dead redemption it was a picture of ellie and it said crunch mm-hmm. and it had a picture of isabel and it said no crunch and i thought it had to do with her I, teeth i thought it was a sex thing you fucking monster <laughs> like i thought this it was a, your, a very much a euphemism this is your brain on crunch <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's where i'm at dude the crunch endemic <laughs> it's a real thing war on crunch <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it, it became so ubiquitous in my friend group that whenever we play video games and we take fall damage we uh we just say crunch <laughs> because it's like it makes most games make like a crunch sound when you sure. hit the ground or a, and it's like ooh. they changed that that's what it yeah, used to be but I then know. they wanted they don't want steve to be like a male i can still dream though can't i you could download that sound and have it play that one instead, I guess. Nice. That'll be my text tone. There you go. <laughs> Crunch. My phone's always on silent. I don't even know if I have a text tone. Mm. I remember when we had to compose one for uh, music tech oh, yeah. in high school? Yeah. Mine's I actually bad. liked mine. Oh, really? I, I had uh, I used the I actually implemented the ringtone, um, but the text tone that I had was uh the chka from <laughs> Ferris Bueller. Uh, Ferris sick. Bueller, yeah. 
I remember mine. I don't remember my text tone. I remember it not not liking it because I spent all my time working on the ringtone that I was like, oh, mm. just put a fucking whatever. But I had this like stroke of inspiration for the ringtone. I was like, oh, I got this idea that'll sound so cool. And I spent so much time working on it. And then I realized I was just emulating a song that I had heard. It was like oh, a really? 80s R&B song that was like super, uh, it was just like really good. And it was like, I just did that and I didn't realize <laughs> it. Nice. Um, uh, didn't Daniel just do like, uh, he got like every time somebody said Kanye from different interviews and put it together, interviews about Kanye West, mm-hmm. and he, he just compiled it so it was like Kanye, 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 and it was like, uh, it, you know, like probably the most most prolific musician in the class yeah. makes like a, a Kanye YouTube poop. Well, that's news to me. I would like that as a ringtone. That's fine. Yeah, it was pretty funny.